This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Today, we're going to continue on our series, Family Matters. Is is anybody enjoying this series? I mean, isn't it great to talk about our family? We had a great discussion last week with the Funches. Amen. Didn't y'all enjoy that last week? That was awesome. I enjoyed that. That was great. But today we're going to continue on, and the family. When I think about the family, you know, um, some people say family is like fudge. A whole lot of sweet with a lot of nuts sprinkled in, right? If your family's like my family. Um... I've heard it said that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? Y'all ever heard that before? But you can choose to adjust to your family, and you can choose to add positively to your family. So I wanted to share with you this morning, um, I heard a story. Uh, There once was a, a young mother. And the mother had a very young daughter, and the daughter came to the mom one day, and she said, Mommy, she said, "Um, I got a question. She said, Okay, dear, what is it? She said, Where did human beings come from? Uh Y'all ever got that question before from your kids? You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, what were we going to say? She said, "Where Where did human beings come from? And the mom thought about it, and she looked down, and she said, Sweetie, She said, um, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve had children, and and they had children, and they had children, and so on. And so, and that's where we come from. That's, That's how we got here, actually. And you see, we're made by God. Little girl said, Okay, I like that. That's good. Well, the next day, the little girl is is out with her dad. And she decides she's going to ask him the same question. She asked her dad, she said, Dad, she said, where do people come from? Where do human beings come from? So the dad thought about it, you know, and and he said, well, honey, said a long, long time ago, you see, there were these monkeys. And he said, you see, eventually these monkeys evolved and We eventually evolved from monkeys. We came from monkeys. Well, as you can imagine, this threw the little girl into a tizzy. She was crying, and she was all confused. So the next day, she's back with her mom, and and she comes to her mom, and she says, Mom, and she says, I got to know that I don't understand it, that you said that God created us. And I asked Dad, and he said that we came from monkeys. She said, now, i got to know which one is it. And the mom looked at her with her loving face and smiled as only a mother can and said, sweetie, don't let that bother you. She said, it's very simple. She said, your father was explaining where his side of the family comes from. And I was telling you where my side of the family comes from, right? Family, all right? It's a great thing, all right? Today we're going to be talking about the dysfunctional family, all right? The dysfunctional.
functional family. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn with me, if you'd like to, to Genesis chapter 25. We're going to get there in just a second, but you can go ahead and be turning there if you want to. Genesis chapter 25, the dysfunctional family. Now, we all know and can agree that the family was first established by God in the Garden of Eden. And knowing that family is a gift of God, I want you to know today that the enemy has waged war, I believe, on the family. You see, we know that God ordained the family. He set up the family unit long before he did the church. And I believe that our enemy, Satan today, has figured out that he can't come against God's church. So you see, what he tries to do is come in and destroy the families that make up God's church. And he chips away at the family unit every day. Did you know that twice... In our history, twice in the history of civilization, have we come to the place where the idea of family totally disintegrated. I'm a history buff. I like history. And if you go back and you study your history throughout time, you will find that twice the idea of the family unit was disintegrated. One of those times happened in 300, 300 years before Christ with the Greeks and the other in 33 AD with the Romans. Both times I want you to know that when the institution of family was done away with and the hearts and the minds of people, the empires fell. And I want you to know that As I look around today, I see that from every turn and from every side that there is an attack on the family today. And if we ever destroy the family, we are in danger of falling as a nation, as a society. So I believe that is why it's so important today that we discuss family matters. Because family matters. If we look today in Genesis chapter 25, we find the story of an amazingly dysfunctional family. Now, the Bible is full of dysfunctional families. And we could have picked any of them today to talk about. I mean, we could have talked about Adam and Eve, the first family. You say, well, what's wrong with Adam and Eve? Well, you think about it. Because of their sin, they got kicked out of their home, right? They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Um, One of their sons murdered the other son. Cain and Abel there. Uh, We could talk about Noah and his family. Now, Noah, you say, well, he saved his family in the ark, yeah? But what happened after that? Noah went a little loco. He went a little crazy, right? I mean, um, he was mocked by one of his sons, and then he even curses his son. Uh, We could talk about Abraham and Sarah. Y'all know about them, right? I mean, Abraham lied about Sarah, said she was his sister, right? Um, 
Eventually, they got to where they wanted a kid so bad, and they decided not to wait on God that they took uh, their servant to surrogate a child. And you can read about how that turned out. Um, And oh, oh, if you've ever left your child at a gas station before, or if you've ever lost your child in a store, anybody? Been there, done that, right? How about Mary and Joseph? They left Jesus behind and couldn't find him for three days. Talk about dysfunctional families. But today, I want us to look at the story of Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. You knew it was coming, right? Um, in Genesis chapter 25, we find their story. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. All right, good. We're going to begin reading today in, in verse 24, all right? Genesis chapter 25, verse 24. And I want you to know, we're going to be reading about Isaac. Now, you remember that Isaac was Abraham's son. You know, Isaac, who Abraham took up to the top of the mountain, they were going to sacrifice him to God, right? And God provided a ram in the thicket, right? I mean, I can see that where that would be traumatic to a child. Yes. Um, and Isaac was a man who had a precious wife named Rebecca. And they had prayed that they might have children because she was barren. And God answered their prayers, and she became pregnant with twins. And here's where we pick up in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 25. The Bible says this, When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name They were real creative with names back then. They called him Harry is what they called him. That's what Esau means. They called him Esau, which means Harry. All right? 26, the Bible says, Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Grabber of the Heel. That's what that means. They were real creative. Jacob was his name. They called him Jacob, which means grabber of the heel or um, the one who trips up, basically, or deceiver, as we're going to find out. They called him Jacob. The Bible says Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau, Harry, was a skillful hunter a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. He liked to stay home. Verse 28. This is what I want you to pay attention to today. In verse 28, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Today, I want us to look at three dysfunctions of a dysfunctional family. Three dysfunctions of a dysfunctional family. Now, I want you to know when I started putting this together, I had 
like 15. I can think of like 15 dysfunctions, but because of time today, I narrowed it down to three. Three dysfunctions of a dysfunctional family. The first one we're going to look at today is favoritism. Favoritism. In our passage we read today, we just found out that the Bible says Isaac favored Esau. Because Esau liked the outdoors. Uh, I'm sure they would go and hunt and fish together maybe. And the Bible says that Esau liked to eat of the game that Esau would bring him when he hunted. But it also says Rebekah, the mother, she favored Jacob. Because he stayed home and did stuff. You could say he was a mama's boy. Right? Now, I want you to know that I saw this in my family growing up, all right? I did. John Rankin, you can get your text ready if you're going to do this today, all right? John has this thing about texting my brother when I start talking about my family when I'm preaching. So I just, it's, it's, it's okay, man. It's totally cool. Because this is true. You can ask him. I saw this in my family growing up. I always thought, and I still think, that my brother... What's the favorite? It's true. And you see, it's because it's, he always got to go coon hunting, uh, fishing, whatever it was with my dad. He always got to go. And I got to stay home with my mom. My dad felt guilty about leaving my mom by herself. So guess what? I always got to stay home with her. But that was okay with me because I like to stay home with my mom. I mean, it was nothing for me and my mom to sit on the couch every day and watch Days of Our Lives together. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And, and by the way, I am so sorry for those of you who are Days of Our Lives fans. I heard that they took it off TV the other day and it's on streaming. Unbelievable. <laughs> but even in our immediate family now, with my family, I see this. I mean, if you were to ask Mercy Rain, she would tell you that Alexis, hey Alexis, is the favorite. But if you were to ask Alexis, I'm sure she's going to tell you that Mercy Rain is the favorite in our family. If you were to ask me, I would tell you that our two girls have always been the favorite. They've always been above everything. But if you were to ask Stacy, she would tell you that the dog <laughs> is the favorite. Now, how could he not be? This is Yeti. And yes, that's my dog. He was Alexis's dog, but he became my dog. But anyway, um, favoritism, I want you to know, is not a good thing. For the family. And these coalitions are not healthy. And in our story today that we read about this family, Rebecca and Isaac should have been aligned together, working for the best interest of their family. And both sons, but they weren't. And you see, here's what I see that happens, all right? If we don't deal with 
with the dysfunctions in our families, we run the risk of passing it down for generations to come. I'm going to say that again, but I want you to get that today. If we do not deal with the dysfunctions in our family, we run the risk of passing them down for generations to come. And I can prove it to you. In our story today, Jacob carried this, this favoritism, right on down to his family when he had sons. Does anybody know who Jacob's son was? Have you ever heard the story of the coat of many colors in the Bible? Joseph. Joseph, guess what, was Jacob's son. We see it pass right on down that Jacob had a favorite son, and it was Joseph. He gave him a coat of many colors, and because of that, his brothers hated him because he was the favorite. And guess what? It destroyed their family. Now, in our story today, we're about to see it's to become important because we're going to talk about something called the birthright. You see, the birthright or the blessing that was passed down through the family usually was reserved for the eldest son. But as we read in the Bible, if you read back, you'll see that God had already proclaimed to Rebekah and Isaac that the eldest would be served by the youngest, or the youngest Jacob would rule over the eldest, which was Esau. They, they were gonna, it's going to be right backwards. And you see in our story that one day when these boys are grown, Esau, the oldest son who came out first, he's been out hunting. He comes home and he finds Jacob cooking in the tent because he was mama's boy, remember? And that's what he did. He liked to cook. That's what he did. And he's cooking some red, I'm going to say chili stew. The Bible says red stew. Chili stuff, right? I don't like chili. I mean, Hormel chili in a can. That, that's me. I don't like that homemade stuff. You give me Hormel chili in a can, that is it. Some Ritz crackers in there. Mm, what you talking about? But Jacob was cooking some red chili stew. Esau comes home and, man, he is hungry. He's hungry, and Esau says, hey, can I have a bowl of that red stew? And Jacob says, sure you can, brother, under one condition. I want your birthright. Esau says, that's okay. I could care less about that spiritual stuff. You can have it. I'm not into that anyway. They shake on it, and years passed. Fast forward down several years, and now Isaac the dad has gotten old, and he knows he doesn't have much time left, so he calls in his son Esau, the oldest, the firstborn, and says, Esau, go out hunting, come back and bring me some good meat, and then I am going to bless you. Now, I want to show you here something. I told you that God had already proclaimed to Rebecca and Isaac, that Jacob would be the one to get the blessing, the younger son. But what do we see here? The dad, Isaac, is going and he calls Esau in and says, you go hunting, bring me something, and I'm going to bless you. All right? Just to show you how messed up this family is, 
Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is eavesdropping on the conversation in the next tent, and she calls in her favorite son, Jacob, and says, let's deceive dad. Let's steal the blessing. You need, here's what you need to do. You need to dress up, go get some goat fur, put it on your skin, and we're going to make your dad think that you're Esau. You're going to be hairy like him. You know, he doesn't see well anyway, your dad doesn't. So come in, lower your voice a little bit, and we'll make you even smell bad so that he thinks you're Esau. This is what the Bible says. And then he'll feel your skin, he'll think you're your brother, and he'll give you the blessing instead. So can you see just how messed up this family is? How dysfunctional this family is? So now we're going to flip over to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to see what happens in this story. Genesis chapter 27. And we're going to start reading in verse 18. It says this. So he, Jacob, went into his father and said, My father, here I am. And Isaac says, who are you, my, my son? And Jacob said, I am Esau. Get this. Jacob said, I am Esau, your firstborn. And I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Then in verse 26, his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. Verse 27, so he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him. The second thing I see today, the second dysfunction of a dysfunctional family we see in our story today is deception. Deception. Do any of you have deception in your family? Or maybe you have a family secret. And you know, your secret today may be keeping up an image that just isn't true. You know what I mean? Everything seems perfect on the outside. Everything seems polished and shined up. But behind closed doors, it's a different story. We see this played out sometimes on Sunday mornings, don't we? I mean, if we're real about it, right? I mean, on the way to church, you've been beating the kids and you and the wife have been going at it or you and the husband or yeah, whatever's happening. But we pull in the, the parking lot at church. Everybody gets out. Woo! This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, sister. How are you today? So good to see you. Kicking them back in the car. Now, I want you to know for, for about 20 years, our family traveled in ministry. And if I'm transparent with you this morning, and just as real as I can be there, it was not uncommon. Because we traveled from the time they were like five probably years old till they were 18. So we went through the teenage years and the, the toddler year, the kid years. And it was not uncommon for 
before we were supposed to go on stage and lead God's people in worship, it was, I don't want to sing tonight, Daddy. I don't want to play the piano. I don't want to do that. Can't we go home and just do what everybody else does? Or before we were to drive for six hours, before we left home, it was like beating them to get in the van or the car just to to go. But when you get there, it's a totally different story, right? I want you to know today that there is no perfect family. And I believe that sometimes the reason that we struggle so much as family is because we compare our behind-the-scenes footage to everybody else's highlight reel. When, when it boils down to it, you're just as messed up as I am, and I'm just as messed up as you are, because there is no perfect family. Because you know what? Families are made up of people. But I am thankful today that a perfect God works through and uses imperfect people. I am thankful today to know that a holy God speaks through and he works through unholy people. And here's why today I know this is because there are no other kind of people for God to use today. Because everyone is dysfunctional today. Everyone is imperfect today. And that forces our God then to function in the midst of our dysfunction. And you know what we call that? We call that the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Moving on. Down in verse 41 of chapter 27, it says, Now Esau hated Jacob. You ever heard your kids say that to the other one? I hate you. Maybe you've even said it. I hate that. Ever go to your husband? I want you to know I hate that girl. No. Not saying it's happened at our house. But anyway. I can't believe you. No. Anyway, he said, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So during this time, I want you to know that several things happened. The Bible says that Esau took two Hittite women to be his wives. And the Bible says, if you read it, it says, it literally says, it says that they made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Because you see, Esau and these women were unequally yoked. The Hittites worshiped many gods, the Bible says. How many of you know that when you got in-law problems, you got problems? You got some dysfunction. Right. If you got in-law problems, you got problems. The Bible says these women made life miserable for Rebecca and Isaac. 
I want you to know that is why it's important right now, today, in your life, for you to start praying for your child's mate. For you to start praying for who God has for them, all right? And for you to start imparting into your children the kind of mate that they should choose for themselves. The Bible also tells us that during this time, Rebecca sent Jacob away to live with her brother Laban. And if you think about it, basically they all became estranged. They couldn't stand to be around each other. Um, they, maybe they didn't speak to each other. They had no family Christmases, no family Thanksgiving together. They were estranged. Today I want to show you the, the third dysfunction of a dysfunctional family that I see is broken relationships. Broken relationships. Is your family hurting today because of broken relationships? You know, sometimes we can hurt the ones that we're closest to the most. And many times we turn on each other and we live separate lives that are empty. And, and many people hope that once they leave home, if I could just get out of this house, if I could just get away, that they'll leave their family and their childhood problems behind. However, I want you to know that many find that they experience the same similar issues and problems as well as deal with similar feelings and relationship patterns long after they leave their own family environment because wherever you go, you take you with you. Did you know that? Wherever you go, you take you with you. Sometimes we see that play out in churches too. Folks leave a church, think the grass is going to be greener, something be different over there. They have the same issues. Same thing. Then they leave again. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know the problem? They take themselves with them because they're the problem most of the time. And you take you with you wherever you go. All that made you, all that formed and shaped you, and all that stuff from your background allows, follows you around until you deal with it. So that leads me to our question today. So how do we deal with our dysfunctional families? Because we have found out today that we're all dysfunctional. And we all got issues. So how then do we deal with our dysfunctional families? I'm glad you asked. Three things today and we're going to close, all right? Number one, the first thing I see, the first way to deal with our dysfunctional family is to admit our brokenness. Admit our brokenness. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 says this. It says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So today you can look at me all you want and say, I got the perfect family. What you talking about? Little Johnny, little Sally, whatever, you know. I should have done a sermon online. It's probably what I should have done. But 
We've got to admit our dysfunction, admit that we are broken. We're imperfect today, and we need a holy God to come and, and move in. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number one, admit our brokenness. Number two, ask God for his help and his direction. Psalm 72, 12 through 14 says this. It says, he will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and needy and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence. If you got that in your family. For their lives are precious to him. Number one, admit our brokenness. Number two, ask God for his help and direction. Lastly, number three, commit your family to God. Now this seems like something that may be trivial today, but we need to commit our family to God, to dedicate our family to God. And Joshua 24, 15, you know it says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to know today that God functions in spite of our dysfunction. God functions in spite of our dysfunction. That's the good news today. That's the hope today. And he can still bless your family. He can still use your family because I want you to know he did in this family that we read about today, this dysfunctional family, this messed up family. You see, what happened was God brought Isaac back. And instead of dying, the Bible says that Isaac lived for 40 more years. God blessed Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And did you know that if you read your Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel came from the 12 sons of Jacob. As a matter of fact, if we were to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, and we were to read the faith chapter, the heaven's hall of fame chapter, you would see the names of most of these families I talked about today. You'll find the dysfunctional families like Noah. He's mentioned in there. You'll find uh, Abraham and Sarah. They're mentioned in there. You'll find Isaac and Jacob. Because God can function in spite of our dysfunction. That's good news today. Today in closing, um, today I want to end with a, a story I heard. I think I got this pad playing back there. So. There you go. Um, I heard a story 
of a little boy who was visiting his grandparents. And while he was there, he was given his first ever slingshot. Anybody remember those days of a slingshot? I do. I can remember when I got one. Remember that? Big deal. The little boy took the slingshot, and every day he would go out in the woods, and, and he would practice. But he could never hit his target. Tried time after time, but he never could hit his target. He came back to his grandma's backyard, where there he spied grandma's prize possession, her pet duck. And there on impulse, he took out a rock and he put in that slingshot and he let it fly. And wouldn't you know it, that stone hit its mark, it found its mark, and there the duck lay dead in the backyard. Well, Johnny didn't know what to do. So all he could think to do was he took the duck, the dead duck, and he hid it in the wood pile. Only to turn around and look to see that his sister Sally had been watching the whole time, had seen the whole thing go down. So Johnny panics. They had lunch that day. And after lunch, Grandma says, Sally, it's time for us to go wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me that he wanted to help you do the dishes today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she came over and whispered to Johnny, Remember the duck. <laughs> so Johnny helps Grandma do the dishes. Later on that day, Grandpa asks, he proclaims, we're going fishing. Who wants to go fishing with me? Well, Johnny's like, I do. Grandma pipes up and says, but wait, Sally, I need you to stay here and help me get supper ready tonight. Sally smiled and said, Grandma, that's okay. Don't worry about that. That's already been taken care of. Johnny wants to help you get supper ready tonight. Don't you, Johnny? She leans over and whispers, Remember the duck. So Johnny stays home and he helps Grandma get supper ready. And Sally goes fishing with Grandpa. After several days of this happening, Johnny doing his chores and Sally's chores and not getting to do anything else, he couldn't stand it anymore. And he goes to his grandmother and he confesses, Grandma, I got something to tell you. I killed your pet duck. Didn't mean to with my slingshot, but it happened.
Grandma looks at Johnny and says, I know, son. You see, I was standing at the window the whole time. And I saw it when you killed my duck, and I saw it when you hit him in the woodpile. But because I love you, I forgave you. You see, I was just wanting to see how long you would let Sally make you a slave. I have a question for you today as we close. How long are you going to let that dysfunction make you a slave? How long are you going to hide behind that tie? How long are you going to put on that picture, that air before everybody else? How long are you going to let that drive the rest of your life? Because no matter how bad things have been for you, it doesn't have to define you today. No matter what circumstances life has thrown you, it doesn't have to define you today. And you don't have to be a slave to that any longer. Would you stand with me today as we prepare to close? God is able to function in our dysfunction. The question is, will you choose to let him today? I think the best example I can think of of how God functions in our dysfunction is the cross. You see, that is really the gospel. The world is so dysfunctional. The world is so messed up. Sin spread to everyone. And everybody is so flawed and so broken that the only solution was for God to send His perfect gift, His sinless, only begotten Son, Jesus, into this world to take all the guilt, all the sin on Himself, and to place it on Him so that God can bless you and me and to take us to heaven with Him. You see, that's God functioning at the peak of our dysfunction. And today I want you to know that that's the offer that God makes each and every generation. That He will take you as you are. You come as you are and He will forgive you as you are and He will make you a new person, a new creation. He will change you. He will forgive you. And He will make you His son or daughter. And then He will bring you with Him into His kingdom forever. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's Teaching of the Week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.